0: Now, next week, we're starting a new series. I'll be starting a new series next, uh, next weekend. But today, we have a special treat. I've asked Andrew Hudson, who's been a, uh, a longtime member here at this church. Andrew and his wife, Sarah, lead one of our, our small groups. He has a, a, just a great message to not only end this year with, but to begin this new year uh, with. I, I listened to it last night and was terribly blessed by it. I guess not terribly isn't the right word. I was greatly blessed by it. <laughs> and stop laughing at me. <laughs> uh, so I, I do want to encourage you to listen because I, I guarantee you, you'll be greatly blessed as well. But Andrew, thank you so much for,
1: for sharing with us last night and today. God bless you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Merry 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 Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy first day of spring. Right, that's what it felt like this morning, and it's felt like lately. I, um, I'm okay with just skipping winter. Uh, but um, but I, I just, real quick, I don't. Want, I know Danny hit on it in the announcements, but I just want to highlight real quick, um, if you're at all interested, the biblical metanarrative class, I've been taking VI classes for about a year and a half now, and um, it probably has, has been, the, well, I've enjoyed all of them and gotten a lot out of all of them, it's probably been the one that I've I felt like I've learned the most, and it's really shaped my, uh, my understanding of the Bible and God's, God's story and what He's doing. So I would just highly, highly, you know, as a personal testimony, encourage you, if that all kind of caught your ear, to, to check that out. Um, but uh, I really feel honored to be asked to speak this weekend, um, and like, like Danny said, my name's Andrew. Um, my wife and I have been a part of this church for over eight years now, ever since we moved kind of to the area um, but but I'm not on staff here. Um, my, my, uh, my daytime job is I'm a fourth grade teacher. I teach out in Marysville and I've I taught science and social studies there in the same building for the last 10 years and just been blessed to be a part of many young children's lives. And um, my wife Sarah and I have been married for over nine years uh, and we have three amazing kids. Ava is seven, uh, Caleb is five, and Aaron is two. And this is a picture of our family, and uh, I just love this picture. My sister-in-law, Becky, she's an excellent photographer, and she uh, she took this picture, but this is the kind of picture that you'd see on Facebook, right? And there's a part of you that would kind of be like, oh, that, that family looks so perfect, and it kind of makes you sick, sick to your stomach a little bit. Like, that's not my family. Well, just so you know, we're not perfect. This next picture, that was, um, that was reality of that day. Uh, my youngest son, Aaron, just... God bless him. He did not want to cooperate for a while, but he eventually did uh, uh, did a great job and, and uh, i 'm so grateful that we have so many good good photographs too so <laughs> um, but but like Danny mentioned, um, you know I, it feels like it kind of snuck up on us, but this is already the last weekend of two thousand and fifteen. I feel like since it hasn 't been so cold, it feels weird to to think that um, but i don 't know about you. I know this is a time when a lot of people start talking about. Reflecting on the last year, the last past year of their life, thinking about the next year, um, often a time when we start to make some New Year's resolutions. And I've I've never been a big fan of New Year's resolutions, mostly because I can't keep them more than for about two days. Um, it always seems like whatever I want to change never um, seems to last very long. And I don't I don't think that God is against us forming resolutions. I'm confident He wants us to resolve to improve our lives to to eat healthier, to make, you know, make more time for family. I just think that most of the time when we hear people make resolutions, I, I wonder, do we take the time to listen and ask God what, is, what does he want to do in our lives? What is he resolving to change in our lives? Because um, I don't think that most of the time we do that. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know about you, but, but I believe that it's true that our God that we love and serve is a good God, right? Right? Right. And he wants us and desires for us to become more and more like him. Desires for us to become more and more like Jesus. But I'm I'm pretty confident that I'm not there yet, and I'm pretty sure you're not there yet. So there's this gap. There's this gap between who we are and where we're headed. And we're never gonna get there, this side of it, you know, heaven. We're never gonna be perfect, but, but there's this gap and, and if and I believe that God does want us to to, to find to lean into him. So that he can help us close that gap to, to growing and changing and shaping. That, that he doesn't want us to be the same person a year from now that we are today. Uh, that he wants us to, to be more and more like him. But, but how do we get there and where do we even start? Uh, I have so many flaws and so many imperfections. It's like, where do I even begin, right? <laughs> it's like there's too many choices. Uh, but... Um, but I think that, that God, being a good God, that He doesn't, He gives us insights and He can give us clues into what He's doing in our lives. That we can actually look backwards over this past year. That we can look backwards over 2015, we can reflect on that year, and we can see areas of our life that God is nudging us in, that He is gently pushing us towards, that are clues about what he desires to change in us. That way we're not just shooting in the dark. Uh, and I know that my, even though my resolutions often fail, um, whatever God resolves to do never fails, right? He never fails. So, so I want to, I know, I want to get on in on what God's doing and, and, uh, in my own life, and I'm sure you do too. So let's pray, and let's just invite God to be here with us, and, uh, and we'll dig into the scripture a little bit. So Jesus, I just thank you for this this time to be here together. Thank you for each and every person who's here. And we celebrate you in this season of coming to this earth. Oh, what a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. And I pray that um, my words would just speak clearly and be your words and that each and every person here today uh, would leave today feeling that you were near to their heart and that you touched them and that you were that they have something specific that that they sense you blessing them in and calling them closer to you in. So we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we can go home. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But, you know, over the last few weeks, as I've been thinking about uh, my own life and my own kind of highs of the year and lows of the year and kind of everything in between, you know, God's really been highlighting the character, the biblical character of Moses. Moses as a man who way long before he led the Hebrew people, the Israelite people into the promised land, out of Egypt as slaves, way before that, his, his early life, I guess if you could call the first 80 years of his life his early life, I don't know if that's... Um, but but the, the early, before doing that, before being known as the leader, uh, that he really took, God really took him through three distinct seasons. Three distinct, a oh, high season, a low season, and kind of an in-between mundane season. And and we're going to kind of look at those three seasons today, uh, this morning. So the first season that we're going to look at is we're going to see that Moses is brought into a princely season. A princely season where basically he's at the highest of what we would expect uh, or what we would hope for in this world as far as everything that you could desire materialistically, positionally, um, and, and just to kind of give us some backstory here, because I know this is a really common story, uh, and, uh, and if you've never read it before, um, you know, you, you may have seen the, the Charlton, Charleston Heston version of it, but, uh, but, um, you know, the, the story that we're going to read is the Hebrew people at this time in history, they were slaves living in Egypt, right? They were slaves living in Egypt, and, um, the Pharaoh had ordered that all the male Hebrew babies that were born to be murdered, to be killed, because their population was growing so fast. They were breeding like rabbits, uh, apparently. And, uh, and, um, and, and the Pharaoh was concerned that they were, their numbers were getting too high, that they were becoming too massive. Um, and so he orders them all that any newborn Hebrew babies were to be killed. And Moses is born around that time. And Moses' mother, like any mother who loves her child, secretly tries to figure out a way to keep him alive. She hides him for three months, um, and she, uh, uh, when she feels like she can no longer um, keep him safe, she builds a little ark, and she puts him in the ark, and she puts him down the Nile River, hoping that somebody would rescue him. And, and who, finds, who finds baby Moses? Moses. With the Pharaoh's daughter, right? The Pharaoh's daughter is out bathing in the river and discovers Moses in the basket. And it's kind of weird then because she, it, Moses is too little to be on his own yet. He still needs to be nursed longer. So she actually gives him back to the mom for a while. And then, But eventually we find that the, uh, Moses goes and is adopted uh, into the royal family. So we're going to be looking at Exodus 2. Exodus 2. Um, today and picking that up. And it's interesting, there's also a a parallel kind of retelling of this story in Acts 7. So I would encourage you as you're studying this and thinking about this to to check out Acts 7 too, and I'll be jumping into that a little bit. But if we look in Exodus 2 and verse 10, starting verse 10, we're just going to read this first verse here, or this one verse here, it says, when the child Moses grew older, she, his mother, took him to the Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So through this miraculous rescue, Moses not only gets the chance to live when he should have died, when he should have been killed, but he actually spends the first 40 years of his life being adopted into the Pharaoh's royal family, becoming a prince and receiving all the blessings that would have come from being a prince, um, all the comforts and, and easy living of that. Um, in Acts chapter 7 and 22, it says that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So Moses had the best education. He had, he had everything that he could ever imagine needing in this world. He had it easy, especially compared to all his fellow Hebrews who were find, found themselves to be slaves. Um, and I imagine, you know, maybe not today, but you know with this warm weather that we've been having that Moses he probably enjoyed, enjoyed his luxuries a lot. He probably took his Porsche you know, chariot out, you know, and can you imagine all the horsepower that thing would have had? And, uh, that, was, that was pretty bad. That sounds like a joke Michael would tell. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder, as, as you look back over your year, would you, would you say that there are areas of your life that you would be able to say, you know, I've just been so blessed. So blessed beyond what I could imagine, beyond what I could deserve. You know, it may, it may be financially. Maybe God has just blessed you with a year. Maybe you got a promotion this year. Maybe, um... You've just been blessed with way more than you need. Um, Maybe you find yourself blessed with a lot of extra time. Maybe your kids have gotten older. Uh, Maybe that you're empty nesting this year for the first time. Maybe you're retired and all of a sudden you realize, you know, I have all this freedom of my time. What a blessing that is. Um, Maybe you just find that God's blessed you at work or he's blessed you with great health. Maybe you've been sick in the past and this year you just... You just recognize that God has given you uh, more life on this earth. Uh, and you know, God's blessings, they come in many forms, don't they? They come in many forms. But, but I think that what God's been teaching me is that I have a choice, and we have a choice of how we see God's blessings, of how we see them. Do we see them as something for mine to grab onto or mine to give? Do we see them as mine to grab or mine to give? See, I think there's a danger that we can kind of slowly creep into as we start to think of God's blessings as just mine to grab. Um, because we develop a sense of entitlement. We can develop a sense of entitlement. And I think Moses, Moses had this sense of entitlement. Um, he thought he was special. He thought he deserved the authority and power that had been given to him as being a prince. You know, in, in Exodus 2... Uh, Later on in verse 13 and 14, it says this. It says, The next day, he, Moses, went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one who was in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Now, the man would have known who Moses was. He would have known that he was the prince, he would have known he was the ruler. He had authority. But Moses hadn't earned this man's respect hadn't been given to him. Moses felt entitled to it, but, but God hadn't given um, favor over Moses yet in this area. You know, in James uh, 1 verse 17, it's a very common verse. James 1 17, it says, every good and perfect gift is from earning it, right? No, that's not it. No, every good and perfect gift comes from being born in the right family. No, it's every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? It comes from above. It comes from God. You know, when we're in a princely season, God has been showing me that instead of grabbing onto his blessings with a tight fist, that it's an opportunity to, to be generous with them with an open hand, to give, whether it's with my money, my time, my energy. Um, a few years back, uh, my wife and I, we really experienced a very wonderful prince. I guess you could say Prince or Princessly, right? Princess, not to all you ladies out there. Uh, a Prince or Princessly season in our lives. Um, we, were, uh, we were just about ready to have our first child. Ava was about ready to be born. And at the time, both my wife and I were teaching. Um, and she felt really called to stay home for a season, of life. And she felt like that God had called her to step away from working for a while. And she really felt like God would provide for us financially. You know, and I w- we were both young teachers. We had just bought our first house. We were definitely living on both incomes. I mean, there wasn't a lot extra going around. And I, I totally had faith that, she had, she, that this was right for her and that she had heard from God. Uh, but I just had no idea how financially we were going to do this. Like, I just, I just didn't know, and I, I trusted her, and I supported her, and I said, I, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, um, but she had amazing faith, um, and uh, I'll probably start crying when I tell this story, but because um, God was just so good to us, but I, um, I remember one day I got a letter in the mail, and uh, it, they were, it said, you know, I opened it up, just first it seemed like junk mail, and then I opened it up and it was a letter from the Department of Unclaimed Funds. So there's apparently this department in the state government called the Department, of, I'd, I'd never heard of it or, or knew it existed. And they said that they'd been looking for an Andrew Hudson and they thought they might have some money of, of mine that had been lost. And I thought, well, my name's not super common. Um, it's, uh, but I thought, yeah, 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 this sounds like a scam, right? First you want my social security number or my credit card and then you'll give me my money, right? But, um, but the more I looked into it and talked to it and found out, I found out this was legit, this is a legitimate thing. I talked to some people on the phone and called, made some phone calls and it turns out that they really did have some money that I didn't know existed that was mine. Apparently, when I was born, my parents, uh, I was delivered by a family friend. My, when I was, um, the doctor that delivered me was a good family friend and he did not want to accept or keep uh, the money that my parents had paid him in a medical fee. Uh, so back then, I think that my parents paid like $500 to the doctor. Can you imagine what medical things were that? <laughs> Having a baby was that cheap? I know it wasn't that cheap for my kids. Um, but um, he took that $500, and he basically just said, I don't, I don't feel right taking this. So he took it, and he, he bought a stock in some pharmaceutical company, and, and he put it in my name. And... Uh, we were friends, our families were friends, so I would see him from time to time, and he was my doctor for many years and um, but you know he didn't really mention it to me. I never knew it existed um, and he uh, he kind of forgot about it. apparently, when I turned eighteen, the money officially became mine, whatever was in there in that account or whatever it was worth um, but but I had moved around because I was at college, and it just kind of got lost, and the government was shuffling it around, holding on to it. Um, And God had, God had taken that $500 and he had multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it. And I remember one day we got a check in the mail from the Department of Unclaimed Funds and it was over half of my wife's yearly salary. It was half of her salary, and I just, I remember that, well, the first thing we said, I remember was, first thing we said were a few words that I can't say in church, but, um, but after that, I remember just weeping, just weeping. Like It's like we had won the lottery, and we hadn't even played it. It's like somebody said, hey, you won the lottery. By the way, here was the ticket that you did not purchase, and isn't that isn't that how God is towards us and just in general? His favor and his blessings. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, over the years, a lot of that money did get used on diapers and baby food, and it's long gone. But, um, but my wife and I, we never saw that money as ours. We, there was something about it, I think just the amazement of it. We never saw that money as ours. We always saw it as a gift as a gift and, and felt called to be generous with it. And I just remember so many times, so many times over the, the years of having that, that we would just write what was to us just very large checks to different charities and missionaries that we felt called to to just bless um, bless the kingdom of God. And, uh, and I know that, uh, that God's just been teaching me more and more the more and more I see God's blessings as something to give, that the less hard it is to grab onto. And that goes for money, but also for my time, my energy. And I figure at this point in my talk, I've pretty much lost most of you. You're probably all trying to get on your phones and trying to figure out how, if you have any money in the department of unclaimed funds. Um, uh, Man, wouldn't that be sweet? That'd be sweet. We would just be blessed to give it away. Um, but the second season that we see Moses in, we see him in this princely season where he seems like everything's just going great. He's on the highest of highs. He's having a great, great um, experience in his life. But the second season is we see him go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. We see him going to, going to become an outcast. Um, becoming an outcast. Uh, and, uh, and we... You, if you know the story, you know that Moses witnesses an Egyptian abusing another Hebrew. And Mochi, Moses, Mochis, I don't know who's Mochis. Moses, in his, uh, his anger, rises, strikes the Egyptian and kills him. And then in panic mode, he, he buries the evidence. He buries this man in the sand. And he acts like nothing happened. He tries to hide it, but his secret gets out. His secret gets out. And we read in Exodus uh, 2, 14 through 17, we read this this next part in the story. It says, Then Moses was afraid and thought, 'What, what what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, and he went to live in Midian, where he sat down at the well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up, came to the rescue, and watered their flock. So this, this murderous event that happens causes a spiraling down effect in Moses' life. Everything just kind of goes crazy. He ends up fleeing from Egypt for fear of his life from the Pharaoh, and his own people disowned him as their leader. He abandons his home. He leaves everyone he knows, uh, his relationships are in shambles. Nobody comes with him. He heads out into the desert alone with none of the luxuries that he's spent his whole, almost entire life getting used to. He's reached the lowest of low point. Nothing seems to be going right. And you know, scholars debate about where exactly Midian, how, where did he go? Where is Midian? Where was Midian back then? But the Midian people, uh, They were nomadic. So they moved around from time to time. And so it's kind of hard. They lived in different places throughout history. But what most scholars will agree on or pretty much all that I could find is that we know for sure that he left um, the Egyptian territory. He got far enough out that he was out of the influence of Pharaoh. And uh, that's a pretty far amount of space to have to travel. That would have been a long, hard, trying journey. And I wonder, as you look back on your year, I'm sure there are some of you in this room that feel like you've been on a hard, long, troubling journey. That maybe this year, 2015, has been one of the hardest years of your life. That maybe you feel like an outcast. You know, maybe it's because of some some sinful choices you've made. Uh, maybe it's just the, the fact that we live in a broken world. Um, maybe no matter how hard you try at work, you can't seem to catch a break in winning over your Boss's favor your co-workers favor maybe you're going through a tough time in your marriage or you've gone through a divorce or a separation this year maybe you, maybe this year you've lost someone you love and care deeply about you know I think we have a choice again we have a choice of what we do when we're going through low seasons we have a choice we can either choose to try to snag control of our life or we can learn to surrender our control we can either choose to snag control or surrender our control. Moses, he tried to snag control. He killed the Egyptian, and what did he do? He tried to first bury the evidence. I got the situation is not going to be good. I better take care of it right now. And he immediately tries to bury the evidence. But when he realizes that his attempt has failed, and that the Pharaoh and his fellow Hebrews knew about it, again, he tried to take back control by fleeing for his life and running away from uh, from what he had done. And I don't know about you, but I feel like God has been teaching me that trying to control my life is exhausting and just downright impossible. And I don't, it's not what God has for us. It's not what God has for us. You know, God has been really teaching our family what it's like to surrender control. Um, my wife, Sarah, you know, on and off again for the last few years has really struggled with uh, severe kind of chronic dizziness, uh, what you might call like vertigo spells. And if you've ever suffered from that, I've never had trouble with that, but it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable to watch her. I mean, she would get, there are times where she'll, she'll be so dizzy, it'll just kind of come on and she won't, the room will be spinning. And she's like, I have to sit down and not move. Otherwise, I'm gonna fall over. Um, I, and uh, she, uh, she has a few times you know, she, I remember one day she called me and she was, had taken our our, three little, our kids to school, our two oldest kids to school, and um, she was just in tears, just in tears. She didn't feel safe driving the half a mile to school to drop our kids off. Um, going to the grocery store is like impossible. Going up and down the aisles, looking at labels, checking, looking for things, people going by, it just it just causes her to feel so overwhelmingly dizzy. Um, and, and it's just been really debilitating for her. You know, you can imagine taking care of three little kids is hard enough. You know, the, the last thing you need is to feel, feel ill like that. Um, many of our family and our, and, and those of you who know us well have have been so supportive and praying for us and, and, and helping us, um, through some of these, those tough weeks and times, um. But uh, but I know that my wife feels she feels like she's in a season of being outcast. She feels trapped in our own home, um, and uh, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to empathize with her because I just I just don't know what it's like to be in her shoes. And I said I talked to her and I said I'm, you know I'm going to be talking about this. I said w- you you could talk about it way better than I could. What what would you say in this situation? So she wrote this little paragraph just on a scratch note like. And and then I was like, can I use that? And she said, I guess. I didn't really intend for you to use it. But I'm going to throw it up here on the screen anyways. Uh, She did give me permission. But it says, this is what she wrote that God's been teaching her. She says, "As as uh, as Paul shows us, we find contentment during seasons of suffering through surrender. And knowing God is near and he is good. True joy comes from knowing him and standing on his promises not on your circumstances, which will constantly change. Sometimes God feels more near in hard times than in good. It's a chance to see his goodness, to look for little ways he is near and blesses you and surprises you. And it really, as hard as it's been for her, and as tough as it's been sometimes for our whole family, um, it's been, there's been a sweetness to it too to watching her learn to surrender, watching both, all of us learn to surrender, and watching how much God uh, is there to comfort us, and to, to guide us, and help us. But I think Moses, Moses, you know, went through an outcast season, and it doesn't tell us what he felt, but we can see in the story that something changed in Moses. Because as a prince, what do we see Moses doing? What actions do we see? him? Well, we see him, that he's, he, does, he doesn't do a great job. He's a murderer. He's a liar. Okay. Uh, he, he's a coward. He runs away from his problems. But then on this, somewhere along this journey, something begins to change in him. And we don't know what it is, but he gets to this well. And we read this earlier. And I don't know if you can go back a few slides. I, I don't think that was in my notes. But back to um, where, like that Exodus 2, 14 through 17. Um, it said that when he came to the well, uh, some shepherds came along and drove, and drove these, these uh, seven daughters away. But Moses, what did he do? He got up, he came to their rescue, and then he watered their flock. You know, he had courage to stand up. He rescued these women, and then he served them. Something changed, something changed in Moses. Um, God was doing something through this low time in his life. And then the third and final season uh, that we see Moses in is we see him in a season of being a shepherd. We see him in this kind of in-between, mundane, day-in-day-out season for 40 years. Moses was a shepherd. It says in Exodus 3:1. Now Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. I'm sorry, no, I lost my spot there. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest in, of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So, for day in, day out, Moses just took care of sheep. And Michael talked about this a little bit last weekend, so I don't want to go into too much detail. But, you know, could you imagine for 40 years doing the same job with just caring for an animal? Just making sure that they're fed, not being around people very much? How lonely that would be? You know, back then it would have been one of the least desirable jobs often given to the weakest member of the family, definitely not the leader of the family or the leader of a people group. But day after day after day, he just took care of sheep. Now, I, as I look back on my last year, I'd say about 5% of it was a great high. 5% of it was low, about 90% was just kind of mundane, day in, day out routine. Um, You know, with three kids, I feel like we live Groundhog Day every day. I just feel like every day is get up, get the kids going for the day, get them breakfast, clean up after the kids. You know, get them off to school. I go to work and come back from work and clean up after the kids again. And then, uh, you know, we get them food and homework and get them ready for bed. And then, then it's time to clean up after the kids again and put them back in bed because, of course, they don't stay in bed, right? And then, of course... There's, again, another time of cleaning up after my kids. And um, I thought I should have asked, do you guys remember the Jetsons, Rosie, the robot made from Jetsons? That's what I should have asked for Christmas. I should have, we could have really used that. Um, but I, and a lot of people have said, you know, don't, don't wish these years away. Don't wish, because I oftentimes, my wife and I, Sarah, well, we'll just start to, we'll, we'll talk like this, and maybe, I don't know if you've ever felt like this. Well, someday, we'll, when the kids are older, we'll be able to do so-and-so. We'll be able to go here or do this. We'll have that freedom. And I'm definitely learning uh, that there's a sweetness about this season that I'm in um, in raising my kids. And I shouldn't wish these years away. But I wonder too, as you look back on your year, as you look back on this past year, are there areas where you feel like, gosh, is this it? Is this all there is? Maybe you feel Like you've been, maybe you've been doing the same job for years now and the same responsibilities and you just feel like, is this all there's going to be? The same day in day out job like that. Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent and you can't ever imagine being out of the stage of diapers and you just want to talk to an adult every once in a while. Um, You know, but we have a choice again in this stage of life. When we find ourselves in kind of a mundane, we have a choice. We can either see it as being purposeless or purposeful. We can either see it as purposeless or purposeful, and I, I, I to be honest, I struggle with that a lot. Of saying like, gosh, this just feels purposeless. This just stage of my life just feels purposeless. But God is teaching me, no, this is this is the opposite of that. This is very purposeful. Um, very common verse that we often hear, uh, Romans 8:28. Romans 8, says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And this verse is often a verse that people use when people are going through really low seasons, when they're really struggling, when they're going through trials or they're suffering. But that's not what it says, is it? It doesn't say, and we know that in tough times, God works the, for the good of those who love him. No, it says in all things. It's talking about that other 90%. That 90% of day in, day out, it includes those low points, it includes those high points, but he's talking about that other 90%, that God is doing things in those lives. And I'm convinced that during that 40-year season of Moses being a shepherd, where day in and day out, he just led and cared for sheep, that that was preparation for him, being given the task of day in, day out, leading and caring for God's sheep for the people of Israel as he led them out would later become their leader and lead them out of Egypt. It would have seemed to the world that it that when Moses was a prince that was the time that was the time that God should have raised Moses up to lead them out of Egypt. That makes sense. That's when he had the authority and the position and the power but he wasn't ready yet. Moses was not the man. He didn't have the character yet that God needed him to have, to be able to be that leader. He needed him to to grow in that responsibility. There's this great quote that I love from Rick Warren uh, who talks about uh, what I think really hits home with this season. He says, Rick Warren says, when God wants to make a mushroom, he does it overnight. But when he wants to make a giant oak, he takes a hundred years. Remember that God is never in a hurry but he is always on time and he will use your entire lifetime to prepare you for your role in eternity. Isn't that, isn't there just a sweetness to that and a comfort to that? I find there's just such a comfort in that, in that quote. So as you look back over your last year, you know, my guess is some of you would say, you know, I've, I've been in a princely season or a princess season. We've just been blessed. Uh, Others of you, maybe you feel like you've been in an outcast season, a low time, a a time of immense suffering and pain and troubles. Some of you would say, you know, that didn't really feel any different than the year before. It was just kind of a mundane, day-in, day-out shepherding season. But I think for most of us, you know, because our lives are complex and this world is complex, uh, we would probably say, you know, it's a combination of all three. I'm a, I'm a, this year has been a combination of all three. My, you know, I can say for myself that, you know, my wife and our family and I, we've been in a prin, princely season financially. He has sustained us through an outcast season with Sarah's health, and he has challenged us with a mundane shepherding season of raising our kids. But I'm confident that God wants to work in all the highs, lows, and in-between times. And how do we know that God uh, didn't just do this for Moses. That Moses wasn't just unique in experiencing life like this. How do we know that, that, this, that this is what God has for us, too? Well, the Bible says, especially in Matthew, Matthew talks about this a lot, that they were looking for a time when someone greater than Moses would come. Over and over again, it says, someone greater than Moses was coming. And who was that person? That was Jesus, right? That Jesus. We celebrated that, you know, just a few days ago. Um, and. And like we said at the beginning, God is in the process of transforming us to be more and more like Jesus. But who was Jesus? And did Jesus really go through highs, lows, and in between times? Well, yeah, he did. He did. Um, This last um, um, statement I want to read to you guys because if I say it, I'll, I'll mess it up. But was it not Jesus who was the ultimate prince? son of the creator of the universe who chose not to grab onto his throne but to give it. To give up his throne in heaven only to come to earth to become an outcast. To become an outcast among his own people. And instead of trying to snag control of the situation, he surrendered control of his life for the entire world. And when he thought about himself and when he spoke about himself, he talked about himself as being good The good shepherd who didn't see every little interaction with strangers and people as being pointless and purposeless, but being purposefully and purposefully, and he purposely cared for his sheep, Who is us? who are us, and he calls us to do the same. You know, we have a God, we have a God who's lived it, who knows and understands the highs and the lows and the mundane in-between times. And not only that does he understand it, he, he's modeled for us, and he's how to live through them in a way that brings honor and glory to God and his kingdom. So let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and stand up here. So this is, this is how I want to end off end off our morning before we go. I, I just as J.T. comes up and, and Naomi just um, you know I just... I want to take a time for us to create space for God to speak to us. And my guess is, as I've been talking, you've been thinking about your own year, your own life, um, where the highs have been, the lows have been, everything in between. And I felt like as I was praying about what we should do for ministry time, that God said two words. He said, invitation and surrender. That, that, that what he wants to do is Create space where we have an opportunity and we are invited to surrender more and more of our life to God. To say, God, you know what? And it's not a, not a time of condemning us or making us feel guilty. Like, oh, when he told that story, that makes me feel real guilty, you know? Not a time of feeling condemned or guilty, but more of a time to say, God, I want to just grow and being more and more like you and I want to be faithful to to what you've given me. I want to surrender more of my life to you. You know, in the high times, God, I want, to, I want to be generous. In the hard times, I want to be just relying on you. In the mundane times, I want to see them as having purpose. And, um, and it doesn't matter if, if you, you would say you don't even have a relationship with God or any kind of relationship with Jesus. If this is the first time that you want to surrender your life to God or if this is the hundredth time, if you've been walking with him for five minutes or you've been walking with him for 50 years, I just, what I want to do is I want to invite those of you who feel this, you know, this tug in your heart to say, I want to just surrender my life more to God. I want to invite you to come forward. Nobody's going to pray for you today. It's just going to be a time, a sweet time, I think, between you and your, and your Father in heaven, a time where you can just say, you know, um, God, I want to look back on this next year and I wanna say that I, I've, I've, I've reached out for more of you and I guarantee he'll reach way back more than you can ever reach to him. So, so that's why I, I want I just wanna create space for that. So if you feel comfortable, I mean you can do this in your seat. you can surrender more of your life to God. There's nothing wrong with that but I think there's something tangible about taking a step forward, about taking a step forward and saying, you God, you know, I really want to really commit more and more of my life to you. So I invite you to do that, JT, and Amy, they're going to sing a wonderful song that I, I know many of you know. But just come for it if you feel like that reigns true for you.
0: And I've heard thousands thousand stories of words they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know just what we need before. good, good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am it's who I am and you're perfect in all of your ways in all of your ways to us.
1: God, we just, that make that just our prayer, that we just acknowledge that you are a good, good Father. And Lord, we just, we just commit ourselves to surrendering more and more to you each day. Would you, we can't do it on our own, though. No. We need you to guide us and nudge us and lead us. And I just pray that over this next year, over the year of 2016, that you would be with us in the highs, you would be with us in the lows, and you would be with us in the, in the mundane, in-between times. And we just ask that you continue to, to teach us what it's like to become more and more like Jesus. That we would not grow weary of of running this race well. Pray for your power, your anointing on our lives. That we may bless others and bless the world. And just pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, if you're a... If this is your first time and you're here, I know some of the pastors would love if you want to stop by the, the pastor's welcome area, visitors' welcome area to just say hi uh, and just bless you guys. Have a great start to your year. And um, yeah, bless you. Have a good, have a good Sunday.